Tonight's, today's message um, is entitled, Mary, a worthy woman. Many times we focus on Jesus, um, and Jesus is very, very important. But today we're going to look at um, the Christmas story from Mary's perspective. We're not going to worship Mary. We're not going to practice Maryology. But we are going to look at the story of Christmas from Mary's perspective. And so for those of you who are children or kids watching online or in person here, I want to remind you to engage well, to take, make tally marks. So it kind of makes like one, two, three, four. And once you get to five, you put a slash through that. So every time I say the word Mary, hit a, hit a tally down. And as you gather five coins, you'll get a prize after those five weeks of tracking along well. So we want you to pay attention. We believe... You can understand God's word. Um, God's word is just important for you as a child and as an adult. So we w encourage your participation, whether you're online or in person. Uh, let's pray and then jump into this message entitled, Mary, a Worthy Woman. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus' mother. And we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us um, from a different angle. Lord, that the same story would not get old, but it would be encouraging, refreshing, a, a reminder of your sovereign plan to save and rescue sinful man. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would minister to us through your spirit and through your word, that we would come um, knowing you more, and loving you more, and wanting and desiring to tell others more about our great God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This may feel a little bit like a Mother's Day message, but I hope not. Uh, we owe much to our mothers. Um, without our mothers, we would not be here. And then I thought, okay, without Mary, the mother of Jesus, we would have no Christmas. We have no fulfillment of prophecy related to Jesus. We'd have no Messiah, no atonement, no hope. Um, in many ways, no joy. And so this morning, I want to trace God's redemptive plan for man through the perspective of Mary, a worthy woman. If I want to step back and just remind us and just capture the reality that every woman born and created was done so by the image of God. And Jesus Christ died and <coughs> for every woman. And I want to take it one step further. On this earth, there are more women than men, and there's, it's like 50% plus, you know, 0.1 or 0.1 something, but there are more women than men in this world, and so God has a plan for every woman, so instead of having a, a candy cane treat for you, I want to give you the, really the gospel once again, and to, to just simply bask in God's glorious plan for man, his rescue plan, his deliverance plan, for men and women, and it has you're going to see how he literally is going to interrupt a young girl's life pretty dramatically to extend his plan to fulfill his prophecy. Um, it wasn't disturbed this preteen or early teen, um, but to accomplish his sovereign work um, to rescue sinful man. So sit back and enjoy. Literally, it's going to be like a slideshow with no slides or PowerPoint with no PowerPoint. I'm going to give you 10 clips so you can track along different stages 
of God's plan to use and work through Mary to rescue sinful man. So, slide number one. Click. Mary was prophesied to conceive a son as a virgin. And so, in terms of verses, um, you might as well just listen along. I'm going to be in Isaiah. I'm going to be in Matthew and Luke kind of toggling back and forth. You can look at them, but it's going to be Isaiah and then Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 kind of going back and forth. So, if you want to put your fingers between two parts of your Bible, you can do it that way. But the first slide says, Mary was pro prophesied to conceive a son as a virgin. This comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay? This sign, since Ahaz, since Ahaz refused to choose a sign in verses 11 and 12, leading up to this verse, three or four verses earlier, the Lord chose his own sign that the Lord himself would implement literally hundreds of years later into the first century. And this sign would go beyond Isaiah's child himself. And literally this sign would ultimately come forth and be answered in the person of Jesus. And so that's a sign that we're talking about here in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And then Isaiah says, behold, in other words, pay attention Take notice. The virgin, the virgin shall, shall conceive. conceive. When we when read, read this, this, if you if grew up, grew in, the up church, in the church, you, we, we hear this, hear this all, all the time. The time. Um, but it, but it, it, should it should rock our world. world. I, mean, I mean, it's, it's not, not every day. It's only happened once, once in human, human history, history that a virgin, virgin shall, shall conceive. conceive. That's a big deal when a virgin has a baby because... It's only happened, it's only happened once, once in all of human, human history. history. And so this, and so is, this a is a prophecy that we, that we need to take note of, underscore, underscore circle, circle uh, <laughs> um, and, pay and pay attention to. to. This is a prophecy that was, that was predicted, predicted and prophesied, and prophesied toward, the toward the future that a virgin, virgin shall conceive and, and bear a son. Bear a son. <laughs> and so, and so it, it, the Lord the is Lord very specific that the son... Would not, would be, not a be a daughter, but a son. And, and the son would have a name. And the name would be specifically Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning, meaning God with us. With us. So, that's so that's the first slide to take, take note of. Before, Before even Mary, Mary knew she was going to be the mother of Jesus, 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 God himself had a plan to send a redeemer into Mary's, Mary's womb in a, in a, in a, in a divine, divine way. way. And we'll look at that very soon. Slide, Slide number, two. number two. Mary was, Mary was about 12, 12 to 14, 14 years old, years old um, when this when all this occurred. occurred. And this is, and this is a big thing because if you, you, you know, know watch TV, TV or, or look at your history books, books most, most times, times when Mary is portrayed in a, in a sculpture or a painting, she's portrayed as a lady that's about 18, 19 years old, if not into her early and mid-20s. And she's portrayed in a very, what can I say, holy way, saintly way, um, almost a very mature, attractive lady. I understand that the Bible doesn't give her specific age, um, but scholars, biblical scholars and non-biblical scholars and historical scholars are pretty much all in agreement that most likely that Mary was a teenager, not just a teenager in the 17th, 18th range. Most of them believe that she was a young teenager. Some even believe that she was even 12 years old. Um, this was, this is noted um, basically, basically because, because it was, was common, common for, 
for, for girls to be, be engaged at, at a young age, age often, often between 12 and 14 years old. And, and so, so they, most scholars believe when Gabriel encountered her and talked with Mary that she was around 12 or 13 years old. Um, in the time in which Mary lived, girls were trained from the get-go when they were three, four, five, six, seven years old, trained to be women. They weren't set up and trained to be adolescent teenagers who would spend those years as living how they want to and a bunch of mischief. They were trained from the get-go to be fully responsible women with the skill set to, to lead a family, to take care of kids, um, to farm, to, to garden, to tend animals. They were trained well. Um, that was the mindset in, those, in that time. According to the Zonerbin Pictorial Encyclopedia, they noted this. It appears that both girls and boys were married very young. Later, after the New Testament period, the rabbis fixed the minimum age, minimum age for women at 12, or minimum age for at 12 for girls to be married, and for boys at 13 to be married. So just wrap your mind around this. Most of people in our culture don't get married pretty much into their 20s these days, and a lot of times I feel like adulthood is, is stretched, and you know guys aren't getting married even into the 30s and 40s. But it was pretty. It was normative for girls and boys to become men and women at an early age, often in the early teenage years. And so even as I think about this, and even as our church is launching a youth ministry, I believe that the idea of adolescence is a myth. Um, it's just something that was created in human history in the last 70, 80, maybe 90 years, um, a lot of times predicated around our, our school system today. Biblically, we don't have this concept of adolescence. You literally go from childhood to adulthood. And sometimes I feel like it does us a disservice. And I believe, without a doubt, God works and does amazing things through teenagers. Just think about it. Mary was a teenager. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers. Um, David, when he killed Goliath, was most likely a teenager. So God does and works in and through teenagers in a big-time way. So let's not dismiss and think teenagers can't do much. What's, I believe teenagers can do a lot for the Lord as much as any adult. They have a capacity to know with their mind and, and believe in their heart. And so um, I'm all for viewing our teenagers as young adults serving the Lord from the get-go. We don't need to delay this out. And so that's a strong plug from a former youth pastor that still believes Youth can make a difference. Um, <clears throat> and so slide number three. Oh, by the way, <clears throat> this is a sad I thing, but I, 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 drive I drive around town a lot, lot and watch people in the park. park. It's, it's fascinating. fascinating. After I see girls put their little phone and it's on TikTok, TikTok mode and, and they, they do this little thing and it's really interesting. Mary was not into TikTok videos. She was into the Lord. She wasn't into herself. She was in to her God that created her and wanted to do marvelous things and um, for God's glory and and for our good. And that's what Mary is about. She was not about her own TikTok video. I'm just so sorry. I just had to say that. Um, slide number three. Mary was engaged to Joseph. And she wasn't married at this time. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, 
verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This slide also could be said that Mary was visited by an angel. But God sent an angel, a messenger, named Gabriel to Galilee in the, to the city of Nazareth. In verse 7, to a, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. It's really specific here of the house of David. So according to Jewish betrothal, this was, uh, this was as binding as modern marriage. Divorce was necessary to terminate betrothal. Um, understand that this betrothed couple was basically um, regarded as legally legal husband and wife at this time, though physical union had not taken place at this stage of engagement. So that's slide number three. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but not married. Even though betrothal had the same understanding in many ways as our view of marriage today. Um, number four, slide number four. Mary was found with child from the Holy Spirit. So she or Mary was engaged to a normal guy. She's living her normal life, doing her normal activities, learning to be uh, a follower um, through, through the scriptures, being trained to be a woman. And then prior to having any physical union, she recognizes that she's going to be a mom. Um, this is strange news. Um, probably caught her off guard. She probably wasn't expecting it. Um, it's not just any child. It's the promised one. It's the anointed one. It's the coming and prophetic Messiah. And so we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she, Mary, was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. So, she was conception happened through the Holy Spirit. We call this the Immaculate Conception. It refers to the virgin birth. This is very important that... We have the Immaculate Conception. Um, this basically talks about the perfect conception. And so when you think of Jesus Christ and who he is, he is the God-man. 100% God and 100% man. And the only way to conceive of a Savior that would rescue sinful man who had an infinite problem with their sin is to have an infinite God who is perfect and holy and without sin, come together and form a human being that would be the God-man. So there's a couple nuances here that we, we need to understand that for man's problem, Jesus had to be 100% man because man committed sin and sin entered into the world through Adam. And so everyone sinned. For Jesus, he's considered the, the second Adam who didn't fail but succeeded and lived the perfect life and was perfectly God and was perfectly able to represent man before a holy God. And so 
and eventually be the Lamb of God and die for our sins and raise again from dead, conquering death and sin and live victoriously and offer us the perfect life. And so, hence, the Immaculate Conception was necessary to form the perfect 100% God and 100% man, the God-man through the virgin birth. And so that's slide number four. Mary was found with child from the Holy Spirit. Slide number five. Mary's, hus Mary's husband was godly. How do we know this? Matthew chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 explains how Mary had a godly husband. And her, referring to Mary, and her husband Joseph was <clears throat> being a, a just man. Joseph was a just man. He was an upright man and sought to conduct himself in a just manner. And so he, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, I just think it's great. Joseph was a man who considered things. He looked at all options, backwards and forth. I believe he looked to the Lord and asked the Lord, you know, what should I do? How should I conduct himself? He wasn't rash. He wasn't impulsive. He wasn't insensitive. He considered these things. I think that's just worthy to note, um, his godliness. He was a just man, and he was a considerate man. That's, that's a big deal. And, <clears throat> and we see in verse 20, it says, Behold, these angels keep coming. They keep interrupting in these stories in a very divine way. God sends messengers. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, he gets very specific, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We see it again. What is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. But the big thing I want you to see is that what? Joseph was a godly man, and Mary is marrying a godly man. And so you can see Joseph's heart is a heart of honor. He lives by faith and wants to protect his wife, his engaged wife and wife-to-be. So Mary is what? Marrying a worthy man. That speaks of also what? The fact that Mary thinks in a very worthy way as a worthy woman. Guess what? Worthy man, worthy woman. They come together. Makes sense. Um, it doesn't make sense for a worthy woman or <coughs> an unworthy woman and a a worthy man to come together and vice versa. Usually like attracts like, and in this case you have a worthy man and a worthy woman coming together by God's divine arrangement. Actually, I believe every marriage is divinely arranged. Um, whether you get married through an app or your setup or your Adam and you go into deep sleep, God arranges all those marriages sovereignly. So I believe in arranged marriages through God's sovereign work. That's just a footnote. And in this case, too, I believe in sovereign arranged marriages at all times. Slide number six. <clears throat> Mary bore Jesus, Emmanuel. We see this prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 714 answered in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. He will save his people from their sins. We see how this is answered in verse 22. And this, put, and this took place to, to fulfill 
this <clears throat> to fulfill what? Well, what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. And so in the Old Testament, there are Old Testament prophecies literally just in the book of Isaiah a dozen times in 215, 217, 223, 414, 817, 1214, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, that the coming of the Lord Jesus would happen. And guess what? It did. Um, I know there's some of you who are from the Texas area. You guys moved here recently, or some of you guys are going there from the holidays, um, this holiday soon. Uh, one man did a study of this, the odds of predicting the location and all this happening. He said just for one prophecy to be answered would be like this, taking $1 coins and filling up the whole state of Texas, not just like covering it, but three feet deep and reaching out and picking out that one coin and saying, yep, there it is. Here's the prophecy of just one. But we're talking a dozen Prophecy. So, you know, to spread these coins around, you know, Nevada and Arizona and Oklahoma and whatever, all the other states, Alabama and Florida. And just that's the odds of the prophecies coming true. It's just hard. Like, even when I think of the next president 40 years from now, I have no idea who it would be. I mean, in many ways, it's hard to predict who this president would be. Like this one, that one. But this is just predicting who would be the answered Messiah. And so that's the odds. And only one that can orchestrate this is not about odds or chance. It's all God commanding all of human history to make this happen. And only God alone could make this happen. And so we see in the latter part of verse 23, or verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. This is exactly what we saw in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is beautiful. God is reminding us that God is with us. Um, some people say love came down. Uh, this is, in one sense, the incarnation. Um, Emmanuel to come and rescue sinful man. God sent the most worthy one <coughs> to save and rescue all of humanity through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Slide number seven. Mary was favored by the Lord. I'll give you a moment. Come with me to Luke chapter 1 verses 28 and 30. Luke chapter 1 verses 28 and 30. Yes, I love seeing those pages go back and forth. It means that we value God's word in a good way. Um, slide number seven. Mary was valued by the Lord. I love this. Is, is, we can see why she's a worthy woman. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. That's just very, very, very positive words spoken about Mary. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel 
reassured her once again in verse 30. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. That is so good. And so Mary, excuse me, the angel Gabriel calls Mary the favored one, the one who found favor with God. How did Mary find favor with God? And I want to say, here's a teenager. She has free will. She's able to make choices on her own accord, by her own strength and her own ability to what? To look to the Lord, to exercise faith, to choose to keep herself pure and holy, to walk in the Lord's ways and to walk in the Lord's statues. She sought to honor the Lord with both her lips and her life. She desired to follow the appropriate customs and traditions of the day because she sought to be an honorable follower of Christ and of the Lord. And so the Lord found it what? Fit to choose her to bear the Messiah, the God-man. And so when I look at this, it, I am just blown away that God would choose a woman not of high worldly <coughs> like success or statue, but looked on a woman for her heart and for her character. And the Lord said, what? You have found, the Lord has found favor in you by the way you've chosen to live your life. Think of this. Mary did not act like the typical teenager. A typical teenager, when they're 12 years old and, or 13 years old, when they happen to get pregnant, what do they typically think? Most of them think, what am I going to do? What happened? I got to get rid of this and do some ungodly thing to get rid of this baby. That's a typical teenager this day. But no, she exercised faith. And she had a heart that was listening to the Lord. Slide number eight. We see Mary loved the Lord in verse chapter, Luke chapter one, verse 47. Luke chapter one, verse 47. And Mary said, this is just beautiful. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There's no panicking here. She's not going into rage monster mode. She's not worrying about her college plans. She's not trying to figure out how do I get rid of this baby. She recognizes she's chosen by the Lord. She has a special calling and responsibility to carry this baby all the way through pregnancy. She knows in this time in society that this could be disgraceful to her and her family, to her betrothed fiancé. Um, <clears throat> she's in a situation where she could experience severe punishment, possibly death, but her heart is filled with the Spirit, and she demonstrates no fear but trust in the Lord. And so I want to say that Mary had a high view of God and trusted the character of God to work out his sovereign good plan through 
this particular situation to help her through the, the bumps in the road of life, the snags that she may find. And so that's what she does. She trusts the Lord. And so we see Mary's trust and dependence in the Lord. I also recognize that in this passage, Mary knows she's broken and she knows she needs healing. She knows she needs God. She knows she's, in, she's a sinner in need of a great Savior. At the same time, she's what? Bearing the Savior that's going to save her. It's just a wild yet divine situation that Mary finds herself. And again, Mary is not the object of worship here. God is the object of worship. And, but I want you to see that Mary is worthy by God's sheer grace. God's sheer grace working in and through Mary. Slide number nine. Mary was, Mary was a humble servant of God. Mary has these excellent qualities in her. We see in Luke chapter 1, verse 48, Mary's heart reflected a heart rooted in God's grace and truth. Luke chapter 1, verse 48, it says this, The Lord looked on the humble estate of his servant Mary. Mary's character was characterized by humbleness, gentleness, she was submitted to the, to the Lord, to God. She wasn't known to be arrogant or proud. She was known to be a servant of the Lord, one who would serve her king. She was God-focused. She wasn't self-focused. And so she walked. Mary is worthy because she what? Walked a worthy walk. And so she sought to sing her king. And so we see in this way, as she sought to serve her king in a worthy way, it showed her to be what? A worthy woman. Slide number 10. I want you to hear this loud and clearly. Mary was not privileged. Mary was not privileged. According to the sacred records, Mary lived in a small town, a place so insignificant as to lead Nathaniel to say in John chapter 1, verse 46, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, God in the sovereign plan picked a young girl named Mary from really a no-name city, a small town. <coughs> Mary wasn't from the big city. She wasn't educated at the finest universities. Um, she wasn't someone that people would typically respect from her education or where she was born. But God doesn't work that way. She take, God takes a woman who is not privileged and sought to make her a choice vehicle for his divine plan to bear the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so... There's three lessons, three things I want to draw out from this section as we looked at 10 snapshots, 10 PowerPoints, 10 slides, of these virtual ones, um, from Mary's life. And <clears throat> they'll come in this way. Mary embraced her undeniable identity. I, I, I think she could have easily crumbled in fear and worry and shame. Elise Patrick in her book, Worthy, noted this. Um, <clears throat> Mary could have functioned in this way, but she points out this. Imagine the courage it took Mary to submit the news of, the, of, a unplanned, un, of an unplanned, unwed pregnancy 
She likely would have been ostracized by other mothers. She would have heard the whispering and the chuckles of the tongues of those who frowned on her situation, but she trusted in her God and called herself his servant. When I look at this and I just reflect as much as I possibly can, Mary knew her identity. She knew without a doubt that she was made in the image of God and who she was was centered on what? Who she was in Christ and how God has made her. Without that identity, what? She crumbles, she falls, and she probably would flip out. And so she knew who she was in Christ and that shaped her understanding of who she was and how she was respond and act in this situation. And I want this to speak to all of us as we're going through different trials and different situations. We didn't have our graduation. We're able to go to our parties and weddings and different things we wanted to this year. May our view of God shape how we think and how we view ourselves and how we respond to situations in the same way it did for Mary as she embraced her undeniable identity. Number two, Mary expressed herself in unhindered worship. Literally, God used Mary to pin and sing the verse, very first hymn related to Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 45, upon the birth of Jesus, literally Mary expresses her heart in singing and worshiping. She's unhindered. It's unadulterated worship. She sings songs of joy and excitement about the Messiah that would rescue her and everyone else. She recognized that Jesus Christ indeed is the worthy one. And so that's the second um, lesson here. We looked at the fact that she had an undeniable identity, and number two, an unhindered worship. And with the last one I will leave for Mary and all of us, um, I believe we, as we look on at Mary's life through the rest of the Gospels till she sees her son hang on the cross and die, she had an unashamed, unashamed, she was unashamed of the Gospel. She wasn't ashamed of her son. Um, <clears throat> she spoke of her son. She appreciated her son. Her, her son loved her well. And so I, I, as I look at the, what Luke and Matthew are telling us, they're sharing about God's amazing and beautiful plan of God's amazing grace to rescue sinful man by what? By faith alone through Christ alone. And so we can get all into what we're going to get and what we're going to eat, but I want you to know the best present, the greatest present, the most perfect present you can receive is not from Apple or Amazon, but it's from our awesome Lord himself. And that's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you, and I urge you, and I implore you to place your faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of your sins. If you're struggling with your walk, and if you've been floundering around in this season, I encourage you to do something else. 
rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. Resolve once again and tell the Lord, say, hey, I want to repent and I want to turn and focus my life back in you. I want to begin taking those steps again. I want to begin walking with you again. I want to be in community. I want to be in fellowship. Even though I'm tired of Zoom, I'm going to resolve myself just to fight through that mental hurdle and, and be in fellowship and put myself in truth and in community, even if it's not the way I prefer. But I'm just going to stop making excuses and find myself in a healthy fellowship. So, just want to leave you with this last quote from Elise Fitzpatrick. Friends, this offer is not restricted to class. The strong, the beautiful, the respectable, the wealthy, the free. It is not limited by sex or ethnicity. It is open to any and all who receive the gift of Christ in faith. This is a message to preach and to sing to all who will listen. May our lives, our churches, our homes, our witness reflect this glorious truth. Jesus alone is the worthy one. He alone lived the worthy life, and he's the one, the only one that can make us worthy in the sight of Christ, in the sight of our judge, our maker, by faith alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Mary's life. And I pray, Lord, that Mary, as Mary's life, really pointed others uh, to you. Lord God, may um, this passage, these several passages, remind us of your amazing plan to rescue sinful man. And may Mary's life be an encouragement to us to walk a worthy walk and point others to Jesus in this season and every season of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, I want to know, I'll let you know that you are loved. Um, and Church Align, you are loved. Um, if you haven't marked, say, hey, I want a free gift, go ahead and do that. Um, we have no lunch, but we want to welcome each other well. Um, Dylan has a book entitled How to Study God's Word. Please get one from him and connect in community. Next week, we won't be at Reedy Creek. We'll be gathering here or online once again. Let's greet one another.